Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto News Podcast. It's your host, Matt Zahab, and we are buzzing in beautiful Toronto. And I am extremely fired up for today's guest. We have Derek Yu, the CEO and founder of Moonbeam, a layer one blockchain providing native interoperability and prioritizing secure cross-chain integration solutions. Previously, Derek co-founded and served as CTO of Fuse, where he led the product and engineering teams in the creation of global unified communications as a service cloud platform. Wow, what a mouthful. As a professional tech entrepreneur with over two decades of success building software and cloud companies, Derek can speak to the importance of blockchain infrastructure to eliminate operational complexity and allow developers to focus on building unique applications and projects. Without further ado, I'm very pleased to welcome Derek Yu to the Crypto News Podcast. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Th- thanks for having me on. That's quite a bio. And wow, what a mouthful that was when I went over the Global Unified Communications as a Service Cloud Platform. Never heard of that one before. Communications yeah. as a Service. What is that? Uh, yeah. I, so this previous uh, uh, company that I started, uh, it was way back in 2006, um, you know, it was basically that everything was shifting to the cloud then, right? And so the, our idea was to shift uh, like business communication systems uh, to the cloud. What was formerly you know hardware systems that were on site, you know, we were building a cloud solution, uh, you know, software with software based endpoints, um, yeah, to shift people off of these old kind of PBXs, these uh, you know hardware based systems that um, you know that uh, that were prevalent then. So Derek, I, I know I started that off with a bit of a weird question. Just was the first thing that really caught my eye, but. Let's go back into your past before you join the crypto space. Walk me through some of these software and cloud companies that you built, and and why did you end up moving over to crypto? I, I mean, the, the the broad stroke story is that I've been building software um, uh, systems for a long time now. So since the late '90s, uh, I graduated from college, um, you know, just as the first internet wave was happening. And um, I kind of see my, my whole career, you know, there's been different chapters to that story, but in one way, shape, or form, uh, I've been involved, you know, with uh, kind of the, the efforts around moving things, you know, to software-based systems. Um, so in the example I was just describing, we were moving these, like, you know, hardware-based communication systems, like, you know, telephones and other kinds of systems like this to, uh, to software and to the cloud. Uh, even before that, I'd worked on um, you know, uh, uh, building out kind of uh, this kind of web infrastructure and moving people's you know uh, uh, brick and mortar based businesses to the cloud, and uh, you know really I, I see crypto even as like a, you know part of that same overarching trend where uh, there's you know kind of a set of existing systems that often have these very um, you know physical components like tied to them that are now being moved into a, a more software native form, and um, yeah, I really think that's you know when people look back on this time you know a long time from now they'll. See that as one of the major trends of just, you know, kind of as uh, Mark Andreessen, you know, said a long time ago, software eating the world, right? Just software, just taking over all of these different uh, parts of uh, of how our world works, uh, and moving things from like what things that have physical kind of um, bounds and kind of constraints to you know software native forms. That that was a great quote by Andreessen: "Software eating the world." It, it, it is crazy when you think about it. How just like how freaking smart computers are becoming. How how much easier software makes our life. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 27 years old. I'm born in 1995. And I look at, I hear parents, or parents, good Lord. I hear stories, even from my parents being like, when you were writing papers in uni, you know, you go on Google, you got every piece of info you could ever imagine. Heck, it's even on our fingertips right at our phone. 
Whereas, you know, my mom's like, back when I was in uni, you know, I had to go to the library and literally take books off the shelf, take notes. Like, it's just, use a typewriter or write it by hand. It's just crazy, like, how how advanced we are nowadays. Totally agree. And, uh, I, you know, the other quote I think about sometimes is uh, this quote that's attributed to William Gibson, which is that the future is already here, it's just not evenly distributed. And uh, I definitely feel that in the, you know, the crypto space where I do think, you know, just this concept of, um, you know, being attached to all these different online communities and interacting, you know, online with all these different, you know, folks and, you know, in a discord and other things that probably is a little bit of a snapshot or a feel of what the future is going to look like, you know, that people are going to be less defined by their, again, where their physical location is, and they're going to just be part of, you know, probably multiple online communities and doing work and kind of having meaningful interactions uh, economic and otherwise, you know, in these online uh, settings. Definitely fun times ahead. Before we get into Moonbeam, I'd love to go over uh, a couple of the things that really get you going about crypto at the moment. I know you are huge on interoperability. Um, we'll definitely get into layer zero in a little bit as well. But just on the more broader scheme of things, what areas of crypto really pique your interest, really get you going present day? Yeah, uh, I think uh, some of the things that I'm um, so we, we, I started off um, with uh, our project and uh, our company uh, PureStake in the beginning of 2019. So I'm definitely not in a crypto OG. Uh, you know, came um, you know relatively speaking uh, you know later into the space than many others. Um, but there's a few ideas that that I felt then when I first came in, and I still feel as convicted about today. And so one of those ideas is that there's going to be many blockchains. And um, I think that's kind of more obvious now than it was in 2019 when we started. Uh, but I, I do have a high conviction around that, that, um, you know, the, the, there's something truly useful. Like, you know, blockchain really provides something truly useful and kind of this community computer, I, I like to describe it as when I'm trying to explain it to, you know, non-blockchain people. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you have something useful like that, there's just going to be many of them, right? And, and you, you can see already the capacity of any one of these things is just not enough to serve you know, a, you know, a meaningful chunk of the users that are out there in the world. So there's going to be many of these things. And, uh, so I think it's really, that's the, just the, the, the simple idea that the thread that I started pulling on that led us to our project. So if there's going to be many of these things, how are these things going to be built? Right. And I have some opinions there about there's certain technologies are going to be used to build like this proliferation, this proliferation of blockchains that I expect. And then, um, you know, if you have, if you start with this premise that there are many of them, I think the the kind of next most obvious question is, okay, how do these things like talk to each other? How you know, how do you kind of connect these things in some kind of meaningful way? And I tend to draw a lot of parallels from my work, um, you know, just with regular compute and um, you know infrastructure and you know some of the cloud services we were talking about before. You know, I kind of see some parallels there where the way that those kinds of systems evolved, uh, I think that you know blockchains will take some similar uh, paths. Wow, that was a great little spiel. Uh, two two different avenues I want to take that. Um, you said something that I've never heard of before, and that was the community computer. Um, we will get back to that. But my first question that you also talked about, you you talked about which chains we're going to be building on. What what blockchains do you think are the future? Yeah, so here's something where um, you know critics that say, "Hey, there's not going to be that many blockchains." I mean, they often um, you know, cite the fact that hey, you know, developers are, are kind of consolidating around certain chains, 
But here's the subtlety. I mean, in my mind, it's more about the tech stack that's being used than the chain itself. And so what do I mean by that? So when you have something like Ethereum, you know, there's a certain set of developer tools that you use as a developer to create an application for Ethereum. And so that's, you know, that's things like uh, MetaMask and like, uh, you know, Truffle or Hardhat is a deployment tool and, uh, you know, and so on. There's like this set of tools that have been created um, over time to help developers uh, just be productive. And I think that for me, it's like it's these tools that are really the important part versus like the blockchain itself. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Ethereum as a blockchain is is still you know the, the center of Web three in some sense, uh, in terms of activity and value. But you know, in my mind, it's really these tools uh, that make up the tech stack that is the important part. So I, I kind of see consolidation around some much smaller set of uh, of technology stacks. But then within like implementing those stacks, there's going to be many many chains. And so I think you already see this where there's a lot of chains that have gotten traction and they're all EVM-based because they're able to leverage this Ethereum technology stack, right? And you, the same developers who are developing for Ethereum can develop for you know, Binance Smart Chain, Avalanche's C-Chain, uh, Moonbeam, in fact, our project, you know, implements uh, an Ethereum-compatible approach. And so that's one tech stack. Um, you know, the other ones I think that I, I'm a big believer in are uh, the Cosmos SDK and Substrate. We're using Substrate um, uh, as blockchain-building frameworks. Uh, and so there's, you know, for both of those, there's been a lot of energy put into those. And so my expectation is that there'll be many chains, but they'll uh, increasingly consolidate around like one of these like uh, prominent tech stacks. Okay, Derek, you're on fire. You got to keep giving me some alpha here. We talked about ETH, we talked about Cosmos. What other chains are you, are you very, very bullish on? What other chains get you going for building purposes? Well, I mean, we ourselves obviously are, are building in the, in the Polkadot ecosystem. So, uh, you know, I'll have to give... Uh, a plug there. Um, you know, this is an ecosystem that's just launched. Uh, you know, we, uh, Moonbeam was the first chain, uh, to launch in January. So we're really only like a few months in, um, to kind of the mainnet being fully operational. Uh, but I'm a big believer in, you know, the, the architecture of Polkadot, especially when it comes to uh, being able to power, you know, interesting multi-chain scenarios. Keep going. <laughs> Keep <laughs> sure. going. Give me, give me a couple other ones here. Uh, a couple other chains, uh, ones that I admire. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, there, there's obviously a lot of interesting, uh, you know, interesting chains out there. Um, uh, for example, I mean, one chain that uh, that uh, we do have uh, some familiarity with, and I have a connection, kind of a personal connection with, is Algorand. Um, so uh, the story is that the the, the company Fuse that had uh, you know the lengthy description that you read at the beginning uh, that I co-founded in 2006. My co-founder was a guy named Steve Kokinos, uh, and he's now uh, uh, the CEO of Algorand. Uh, so you know he left. Basically, that's what got me into crypto originally. Actually, so my co-founder that I worked with for many years left to start a crypto project that was you know Algorand. And then after he did that, you know he was telling me all about like all of the interesting things that he was working on. So that's. Actually, the original reason of how I got into crypto in the first place. Wow, not uh, not bad at all. So he jumped ship in, in in the best way possible, and then told you about it, and you were like, "Hey, this is it." Yeah, I mean, I, and I think with crypto, it's kind of like that. You need someone that you know, or you, there's some kind of thing because it takes a lot of time. You know, you have to kind of research a lot to understand and kind of understand the potential. And so I think that's that was the catalyst for me was you know this this guy that I respected a lot, um, you know, coming to me and saying, "You got to like." Look into this. Like this is going to be this is going to be transformational. That's the, that's one of the the aspects of crypto that I wish people were a lot more candid and transparent about. Like even when I have friends and family or people in my network asking me about like what topics or, or subjects or areas are you most bullish on? Well, what do you think is a good investment? I always start by saying, "Hey, I'm not a financial advisor, and, and I've made you know dozens, if not hundreds, of of, of stupid investments, but." 
99.9% of the stuff, that's a lie. 100% of the stuff that I find is from following people who are smarter and more intuitive than I am. And it's like, so many people think they're geniuses because they've made all this, you know, internet money where it's, it's really just if you follow the right people and you get on the right trends, the rest takes care of itself. I, I wish more people would be more honest in that sense, you know? Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're right, right? I mean, it's, it's basically like the, the alpha comes from just being engaged and talking to people or following people, um, getting in the conversation. That's like where, you know, where it comes. That's where all the magic is. It's uh, de- definitely a, a not, not enough talked about topic. Um, Let's get into some of the Moonbeam stuff here. I'll, I'll throw the classic at you before we get into it, but give me the, the sort of the 30-second elevator pitch on Moonbeam. Sure. So a lot of the context I already gave is relevant here. So I think if you accept that we're in this multi-chain world and that there's going to be a need for connectivity between all these blockchains, really what Moonbeam is, is a smart contract platform that's been purpose-built for interoperability. And so we're looking to be you know, the, the best place for... Um, uh, you know, app developers to deploy uh, what I'm calling natively multi-chain applications. Oh man, you're you're very eloquent when you speak, and you you throw good buzzwords in there that where I'm always like, oh, which way should we take this combo now? <laughs> we could go in any direction you want. No, yeah. I know it's just it's uh, it's it's refreshing. It's quite refreshing. Um, so again, let's let's jump into the interoperability part, which very well could have been the word of the year in 2021, and is definitely a runner-up for. 2022, but why is it so important? Like, why why is that such a, a crucial aspect for crypto really becoming the creme de la creme of, of all industries? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's multiple thoughts here, and this is something that you know, as you say, is very top of mind. I think it's a very quickly evolving landscape as well. But I, I mean, the the need is simple. Like, so once you have these many blockchains, you know, by default they're islands onto themselves. Like, they're they're isolated, right? I mean, you can. Be on one, and maybe you can use a centralized exchange to get like assets like onto you know one or another. Uh, but they're islands, right? And they're separated by this wide ocean. And so the question is, you know, how do you connect like these things? How do you move you know between one and another? And so that's where I'd say that you know the first generation of uh, of technologies really uh, was focused on uh, bridging scenarios, right? So uh, these are basically bridges being built to connect these different blockchains, where the main use case was. You know, transiting like assets, right? Transiting tokens, you know, between these different chains, and in some sense, we're still in that phase of development, right? Where there's, you know, that's still the primary use case, I'd say, where people are, you know, visiting different chains. They're you know, often Ethereum mainnet, I think, acts as a hub in some sense, right? So a lot of times people are starting there, and then they're, you know, transiting different bridges to get to different, uh, different chains. Uh, in my mind, well, a few thoughts on that, even. Um, the, the state of these bridges, uh, there's a lot of teams pursuing different kinds of uh, bridging solutions, but you know not all of them are created equal. And I think the the market is starting to understand that, and you, it continues to kind of understand that as there's security problems that are coming up on some of these. So I think we're in, we're in a phase now where almost everyone's a bridge builder, um, but maybe not everyone uh, you know has like the civil engineering degree, right? So it's like people are building these bridges. Some of them are sturdier and more stable and safer. Some of them are less safe. Um, you know, there's different technical approaches uh, to building these things. And um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's going to uh, increasingly matter, right? As people understand that, hey, for certain kinds of payloads I'm trying to transit, like I really need, you know, higher degrees of security and, and more stable bridges. And so that's, you know, I think there's a lot happening just in that space alone. Adding on to that, though, I think what's happening now is that 
people are realizing that, hey, like, transiting assets via bridge, that's yes, that's an important use case, but it's really um, a subset of this more general use case of how do I send any kind of arbitrary message between chains in a decentralized and secure way. And so that's like, I think we're at the leading edge of that change happening now, where uh, you see the rise of these new interoperability networks. Uh, one of them, uh, there's two I'd mentioned. So there's one that's part of the Cosmos ecosystem that's powered by something called IBC. There's one that's part of the ecosystem Moonbeam is in, uh, the Polkadot ecosystem that's called XCM. So they both have these native messaging systems uh, in them. But then there's also like uh, these new kind of overlay networks that are being created that will help developers send messages between any chain. So that's folks like uh, you know, Axelar is a team we work with a bunch. Uh, Layer, Layer Zero is a new uh, team. Wormhole, you probably put in this category. So there's a lot of things shifting here. But uh, you know, in my view, it's it's all about creating you know richer ways for developers to combine functionality from these different chains into like. You know, novel configurations, and um, yeah, we can get into it more. But uh, you know, my belief is that as these these connectivity and these interop like technologies uh, get more mature and better, we're going to see a big shift in the way people are building applications. So right now, you know, historically, people have been building apps to be deployed to a single chain. I mean, that's largely the what people do. And then you know, the the first attempts at trying to bring apps multi-chain was more of a Let's just take the app that we built for Ethereum, say, and then let's just make copies of it. Let's deploy it to Avalanche, deploy it to Binance Smart Chain, deploy it to Moonbeam, say. And that's how that, that was the multi-chain strategy was to just deploy many copies of the thing. Um, but you realize that's it's kind of not a very uh, you don't end up with a very intelligent system then. You just end up with you know n instances of your software like on all of these chains. Right, and so what I see now is that teams are trying to build like a single system that's simultaneously deployed to many chains, and it acts like it's one system. And I think that's going to be a big change. That's going to you know, and that's those are the kinds of teams that we're we're really focused on uh, trying to empower. And when you mean focused on those types of teams, what, what exactly do you do for those teams? Are you giving them the tools, resources, funding needed to make shit happen? Are you you know, poaching them. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Moonbeam itself. I mean, we are an infrastructure platform. So, like, we, you know, Moonbeam itself doesn't do all that much for end users. It really requires a you know a development team that has an idea that's then going to deploy onto Moonbeam, and it's really that team that then has like the end users. And so, we are kind of one layer removed often from you know kind of end users, and we're, and our customer, if you want to call it that, um, you know, people don't tend not to use that word in this space, but you know, our customer is the development team. And so really that's, that's how we've organized ourselves, and that's what's driven a lot of our work, right? Is basically figuring out like, what do these development teams that are deploying to us, what do they need? And, um, you know, so that's where things like our EVM compatibility came out of those, uh, you know, uh, really interacting with a lot of these teams as being the thing that they wanted. Um, that's where a lot of the Tools and other infrastructure we surrounded our platform with, you know, came out of understanding, you know, what these teams need. Uh, things like, uh, you know, there's all these things like, you know, having an EtherScan like integration um, or, or Explorer, having a, you know, a multi-sig deployment, uh, having a Chainlink as an Oracle like, uh, you know, right. set of Oracle price feeds. There's all these other things you need around your platform to make it to help it meet the requirements of these uh, development teams. It's so cool. Uh, a bit off topic here. It's just again doing all this research. It, it's right in front of me. Why the name? Why Moonbeam? <laughs> there is a little bit of story about Moonbeam. So, um, well, so many of the things that we work on uh, are named after songs. Um, so, um, uh, there's a song called Polka Dots and Moonbeams. 
know, API standards. So that's like where the name came from. And then Come on. You know, we have this like network, or another network is called Moon River. Um, and, you know, we have some other, you know, uh, projects that are named after songs. Now, I'll tell you, though, that we started in, in you know, 2019 and we, we did not have this kind of like insight into this like mimetic side of crypto. So, you know, I had people come to me then and say, you know, you can't like be a serious project and have the word like moon in your name. Like you're just like not going to be taken seriously. So then, you know, we thought for a while, gee, should we change the name then? Like, nah. you know, I don't want to be, but you know, at, in the end we said, you know what, let's own this thing. And like, you know, like let's just like leave it. And I think it's worked out okay, actually. Well, <laughs> yeah. if you would have, like, I guarantee you, if you made a poll and, and in the poll said, yeah, the classic Twitter poll of four different options, how did we get our name? And you put song, X, Y, or from the meme like to the moon, 95% of people would have said to the friggin' moon. So, and like a, a beam to the moon as well. It it works. It's perfect. It's a match made in heaven. It's it's worked out fine for us. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it now. <laughs> That's uh that that is funny. Um Derek, we're gonna take a quick break and give a huge shout out to our sponsor of the show, and that is Prime XBT. I've been using Prime XBT for over a year now and absolutely love them as they offer a robust trading system for both beginners and professional traders. Doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a vet, you can easily design and customize your layouts and widgets to best fit your trading style. Prime XPT is also running an exclusive promotion for listeners of the Crypto News Podcast. After making your first deposit, you get 50%, that is 50% of that first deposit credited to your trading account that can be used as a bonus to additional open positions. This promotion is available for a month after activation and the promo code is CryptoNews50. That is CryptoNews50 to receive 50% of your deposit credited to your trading account. Tons of free cake there from our friends at Prime XBT. And now back to the show with Derek. Derek, I would love to talk about Polkadot's Layer 0 parachain that was one of the first times I've heard of layer zero. You always hear of L1s and L2s. You don't really hear of layer zeros. I, I don't really know why, to be honest. It, it makes complete sense. But I'd love if you could walk me through Polkadot's layer zero parachain. So uh, I think the you know the the the, the question I start with is like you know so just a, a high level description of what the main idea of Polkadot is. So the main idea of Polkadot is uh, first let's create like a set of tools so that people can create their own blockchain. And, you know, historically that's been, that's like a difficult thing to do to create your own blockchain, right? That's, uh, you know, you have to hire the smartest minds from the computer science departments of the best <laughs> universities in the world. And they work for, you know, three, four years and they come up with something that, uh, you know, these, these new blockchain building frameworks, Substrate being one, which is the one that come, that is used in Polkadot or the Cosmos SDK, you know, they really make it like a lot easier to make your own blockchain. And that opens up a big new design space for developers, right? So historically, developers have had to uh, kind of deploy smart contracts onto an existing chain, but now you can build your own chain and uh, you can customize it, right? You can customize it and specialize it, you know, to a particular purpose. And so that's one of the key ideas of Polkadot is here's these tools where you can create your own blockchain. And we've, we've done that, right? We've used these tools to create Moonbeam. The second idea around Polkadot is around interoperability. So the idea there is that um, you know, let's create an environment in which these created, these specialized chains can communicate with each other. And so that's where the layer zero idea comes in. So there is um, kind of a, a root or kind of a base chain uh, in Polkadot uh, called the relay chain. 
And that chain basically serves as a connector. So it connects all of the chains that are part of the ecosystem together. And that's uh, basically how uh, different chains in the Polkadot ecosystem can communicate with each other. There's like this networking layer, uh, it's this layer zero that, uh, that connects them all. It provides security, it does other things, but for me, it's really this connectivity is the key piece. Layer zero, that, that's again, so interesting, so straightforward, but just not, like, why doesn't that get more clout, more credit? Why isn't that you know, discovered or talked about more on socials? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think that just this whole concept of having a multi-chain system at all, it, I, we're still at the, the very early kind of days of changing the thinking, right? People still think of blockchains as these individual things, not as you know, a collection of things that are working together. And so I think that this will this idea will become more common, like as we see the rise of these multi-chain systems. Interesting. And again, makes sense. But uh, excited to see more of that on socials. Another another aspect of Moonbeam um, that that really got me going while I was doing research for the show is the fact that Moonbeam Moonbeam, excuse me, is described as fully Ethereum compatible. Now. I see the word fully in, you know, uh, bunny ears a lot. What what does the word fully mean in this sense? Uh, you know, the context, I, I'd go back a little bit to something we touched on earlier, uh, you know, uh, almost on the why this Ethereum compatibility. So Moonbeam does implement, uh, has a full working Ethereum implementation. So what does that, what does that mean and why did we do it? So what it means is that you can use all those developer tools I talked about before, right? So all the, the tools that existing uh, developers that have been developing for Ethereum know how to use. They are basically, you know, can be used as is without any changes uh, to develop and deploy things to Moonbeam. And that was a very important design goal for us. Um, it came from, and, you know, I'd even go back, uh, step back for a minute and say, this previous experience that I had building software companies, you know, that were not crypto-based, you know, I definitely, um, I think I sometimes have a, a, a some different points of view than, uh, what I see common in, in, in crypto here, where it was quite clear to me that that we would have the the lowest friction um, like path towards our, towards getting developer traction by uh, pursuing this Ethereum compatibility approach, uh, because that's where like all you know all the developers like that's what they already know, and these tools in particular like you know these are the tools that we wanted developers to be able to use with our platform. And um, I think this is something I see that a lot of um, uh, teams in, in Web3 and crypto, they, they dramatically underestimate this problem, right? They say, okay, well, we're going to build a new blockchain. It'll have a new tech stack. Uh, it's like better, faster, cheaper, whatever it is, right? There's like, you know, there's all these reasons why it's better than the existing, uh, you know, uh, Ethereum tools. But guess what? It's like very, very difficult to get traction around like a new set of tools. And, um, you know, because there's this network effect, right? Where, Whatever everyone's using, then that's the obvious place for new people to like to build new tools. And so, um, yeah, th- this was kind of a very intentional from our side. It's like one of the design goals for our system was we wanted to achieve this Ethereum compatibility so that we could leverage all of these great tools. And I think this is, you know, the, the market has kind of borne this out, right? Where it's the EVM chains in particular that are outside of Ethereum that have been some of the ones that have gotten the most traction. And so that's you know that's BSC, that's uh, Polygon, that's uh, you know the Avalanche C chain, and so on, right? Uh, and it's I think it's largely because of these uh, these tools. It, it, it's it's always crazy thinking about how much of a moat ETH and Ethereum rather has over the others. You know, like it's 
I often think what would what would present day crypto look like if it weren't for Vitalik and the rest of the team building Ethereum back in what 2013 or whatever. Actually in Toronto, funny enough. Um, but it, it is crazy to think like the moat that ETH has, EVMs, just the whole nine yards. It's it's such a behemoth that I, I feel like we often take for granted. Uh, absolutely, and uh, and this, that's one thing I'm quite sure of when I'm asked. Like you know, even you know, five ten years from now, I expect like this. You know the Ethereum tech stack, the set of tools around Ethereum, to be uh, you know further evolved and still in heavy use. Uh, that I'm pretty confident. I, I absolutely love the tech stack. Not an analogy because it's not really an analogy, but just point per se. When I asked you like what what blockchains get you most fired up, what really gets you going, and you responded with you know not so much the blockchains but the tech behind them, which is unless you're a builder, uh, you wouldn't really think of that. And that's why I love that point you brought up. But in the current you know, present day 2022 tech stack, are there any pieces of software in particular that are really missing? Uh, and a very broad question, I'm not doing a good job of framing this, but I'm talking like, um, you know, is there any app or, or anything in particular that you would like to see that would really move the needle and just make present day life much easier? Well, from a, uh, this backend perspective, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still a big believer in these, these blockchain building frameworks. And I think we're still early on those getting uh, you know, developer adoption and continuing to get used to build different kinds of specialized blockchains. And that, you know, right these days, there's really just two that, um, you know, are the contenders and are the, the viable ones that, you know, have big communities around them. And so that's the Cosmos SDKs one and Substrate, you know, the one that we're using uh, in the Polkadot ecosystem is, is the other one. These things are like very complicated to make, right? So, the, you know, each of those, there's probably been you know, four or five years plus of development from, you know, serious, serious people like developing these things. And so those, you know, it's hard for a new entrant to come in and say, oh, I'm going to make one too. Um, and you know, I think we're just at the beginning now of uh, exploring, you know, there's this huge new canvas now that developers have to paint on um, that you, you get from being able to build your your own blockchain versus needing to fit in, you know, being deploying on top of an existing blockchain. And, um yeah, so I'm I'm still a big believer that 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 like is a big big unlock that we're just at the beginning of, um, you know, in the context of of uh, our work, you know, what that looks like is um, uh, that you can have create these like very specialized chains, uh, but link them in so that they're all part of like a single application, and um, you're already starting to see some examples of that. Like for example, um, uh, you know, we have um, a deployment of uh, Lido like on uh, Moonbeam. Lido is a uh, liquid staking uh, protocol. It's a way that you can uh, kind of get uh, liquid tokens out of uh, a staking position, like on a proof of stake uh, network. In this case, on on Polkadot. And but like the the idea is that actually uh, in in the deployment on Moonbeam, uh, it's there's components that are deployed on multiple blockchains. So we have an app on Moonbeam, but that app is kind of remote controlling staking functions that are on the relay chain. So you have functions happening on multiple blockchains, but when the user is interacting with the app, they're they're interacting just with one app, right? They don't even know that they're interacting with there's multiple blockchains kind of behind the scenes. And so that's, you know, that's the kind of idea where I think we're going to see a lot more of that moving forward, where it's almost like the complexity gets a little bit hidden from the user, right? This is how things work in web two. Um, you know, the user doesn't need to know about every blockchain they're interacting with. It's like some of it's just behind the scenes and they're presented with one, you know, interface that hides some of the complexity away. It's a great point. I again don't really think about that either. Really, just uh, what's front of mind. Um, building on you know Moonbeam and what you and the team are up to. You recently announced an integration with Fireblocks, which is massive for institutional grade custody 
for DeFi, uh, really the, the bread and butter of the institutional grade custody solution for DeFi. What does that mean to the Moonbeam community, and, and why did you guys, you know, put so much resources, time, and money into into this plan? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, the nature of our project is a bit different than some others. So I think you know other projects. I describe them as being a bit more top down, right? So you raise huge amounts of like VC money, and you kind of um, you know, these, these kind of big war chests, and then you're kind of like top down, then finding teams that are going to like build on your platform. I mean, our our thing is is a bit more bottom up, right? So there wasn't you know huge amounts of money raised. There was uh, uh, and a lot of the activity on our on our platform is more grassroots oriented, right? So it could be smaller teams, you know, three four person teams um, that are building uh, projects that then they're looking to to grow from the bottom up. But as a result, you know, the question comes up of like. Who are the participants? You know that are uh, the network participants that are interacting with the network. And for to have a healthy network, you want a broad range of uh, of network participants, right? Different kinds of folks, not only developers, but other kinds of uh, you know token holders. And I think what um, what we realized is that you know if, if, when you look at these uh, more institutional folks, they just have basic requirements, right? I mean, they're like, yes, it's interesting. Uh, what you're doing, but like we literally cannot like become a participant like on your network because you know we need things like custody tools and we need uh, you know different kinds of we have different kinds of security requirements, and so that that's really the context here is I'd say that we you know we're looking to have Moonbeam be um, you know have as broad um, a, a participant set as possible, and um, you know this uh, uh, you know, Fireblocks in particular is something that came up as um, probably the most the most important. First custody solution that would um, provide access to a broad range of uh, more institutional participants to the platform. Fireblocks. It's again an, another thing that I've legit never even heard of until doing until doing research with the show for, for the show rather. Which uh, just crazy how many freaking protocols and solutions there are in in a multitude of uh, of sort of sub industries within crypto. But one more question on DeFi here. How how is DeFi activity grown on Moonbeam in the last year? Like, is it is it one of the most important areas that you and the team are attacking? I, I would say that um, uh, in the, the the three four months since uh, we launched Moonbeam, uh, that is where a majority of the activity is. Um, so, uh, you know, even with this grassroots approach, it continues to be, I would say, where the uh, the majority of user activity is coming from. So, probably. 60 70 percent you know is in this DeFi area um, the other area where we are seeing uh, you know traction is in what I call this kind of gaming nft area right so that's a a pretty common pattern for a lot of the the teams that are uh, building on us and in, in that space are that you know you have some nft collection uh, so you maybe uh, sell those nfts uh, but those nfts will later have utility in a game that's being created and so we are seeing quite a bit of, uh, of that as well uh, but for DeFi, yeah I mean I, I've Personally, since this is kind of what the developers, um, you know, our, you know, I, our customers is, is working on, or the developers that are deploying to Moonbeam are working on, I have been spending, you know, time to try to get as smart as I can about uh, defining these scenarios, and it, you know, it can get somewhat complex. Um, so that, that that definitely has been a focus area for uh, for me personally and for some of the team to get as smart as we can about DeFi, so that we can best support the project teams that are uh, deploying to us. Uh, that activity is uh, growing. And I think most interesting for me is that the, uh, the 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 use cases, right? So there's certain scenarios that are possible on Moonbeam because of our interoperability that are not possible on other chains. And so we're starting to see teams that you know are looking to uh, access like these interoperability functions to create new kinds of DeFi apps. And so that's probably one of the things I'm most uh, excited about, right? Because we want to 
how power are these like uh, novel and unique scenarios? Well, you have the chain link integration happening as well, right? Yeah, so that's uh, it's um, imminent here on uh, on Moonbeam. Um, so uh, yeah, and that there's a, a bunch of teams that are currently blocked. You know, they can't go to production without it. So you know, we uh, we anxiously await um, the re- the release of that integration, which should be happening shortly. On the on the integration front, like walking through the process internally, I'm sure you guys get a shit ton of requests to you know solutions to build. How do you? Quantify which one is more important than the next. Like, is it just a committee or a DAO or, or whatever group of individuals who come together and say, "Hey, this is you know X is more important than Y and Z," so we're going to use our capital and resources to to find a solution for that. Like, what does that what does that look like in the boardroom? Yeah. Um, so I would you know remember that we're kind of this infrastructure platform. So a lot of times the features that we're implementing are based on feedback that is coming back from. Teams that are looking to develop, you know, solutions like on Moonbeam. So they might say, "Hey, I have this idea for, you know, a multi-chain, you know, DeFi, um, uh, you know, le- uh, lending and borrowing solution, or you know, other kind of solution." But I'm missing like this feature. Or I'll give you a good example. Like there's a, a these games I talked about, right? So they, uh, a lot of them came to us and said, like, we need this like uh, source of randomness um, as a feature. Uh, because that will help power, um, you know, if you have a battle and you need like a random outcome of the battle, you know, we need this like source of randomness like uh, on chain. And that's something that blockchains by default typically don't have. So that's an example of a feature that then uh, we've gone and created is to so that um, games could incorporate like, you know, kind of a dice roll, like a sense of uh, randomness into their game. Um, so a lot of it's coming from engaging with the folks that are the builders uh, that are in our ecosystem. I would say that's like the number one place uh, where it comes from, but it can come from other places too. So for example, uh, you know, security, uh, you won't be surprised to hear is like a, a continuous, you know, kind of um, uh, uh, priority. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, sort of auditing firms that are kind of continuously auditing the code base, but, you know, there's often investments in, you know, work or features or engineering, um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, security work that is happening uh, to to just make sure that we continue to have like the highest level of security. So there's different input paths, um, and um, yeah, then just like any other software, there's kind of a scheme for fitting it into our roughly monthly release cadence. Hey, I love that. That's uh, that, that's good stuff. Derek, thanks so much for coming on, man. This has been uh, incredibly informative. Jeez Louise, I've learned a shit ton, and uh, we'll be going for a nice long walk and listening to this episode. Uh, and, and we'll be absorbing as much as possible. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, really does mean the world. Until next time, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you and Moonbeam online and on socials? Sure. Yeah. So just my Twitter handle is just uh, uh, Derek Yu. Um, and uh, I think the best place to find out about Moonbeam would just be to visit the moonbeam.network uh, website. Um, there's links out to you know our Discord, our Telegram, you know, a lot of other places from there. And um, yeah, Matt, thanks for having me on the on the show. Really appreciate it, Derek. Thanks again, man. Uh, great time, and I'm sure we'll have you on for round two in the near future. Folks, what a great episode with Derek Yu from Moonbeam. Wow, dropped tons of alpha and gave a great deep dive, sort of backdoor look into the biggest infrastructure platforms out there. Folks, if you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, please do subscribe. It would mean the world to my team and I. Speaking of the team, love you guys and the listeners. You are the absolute goats. Love you more than you know. Keep on staying healthy, wealthy, and happy, and keep on growing those bags. Bye for now, and we'll talk soon.